talk for me was really one of those earliest memories that that still encapsulates me of that of how intrigued I was and how it just really yeah stopped me in my tracks so I love that the energy around all of that food this is the crackling I'm Anthony Huckstep often talked about trying to find a life-work balance in the food industry, but given the nourishing community and connecting element of food, it's hard not to let it encapsulate your life. For Dominic Rizzo, food is everything and her immersion into food has lured many people along for the ride as well. Dominique, how are you? I'm really good, Anthony. How are you? I'm great. It's good to get you on the show. You have a pretty exciting life in food from the outside looking in. What's it like for you? Well, just hearing your introduction and that whole life-work balance, um, for me, my life is my work and my work is my life. And I think the two have become so intermelded together that I actually, I don't have a differentiation, but I'm really quite happy with that. (laughs) I'm kind of, yeah, I've sort of worked myself into my life, if that makes sense. I don't know. And I've really made it work for me, for myself too. Well, that's the funny thing about food, isn't it? Because it connects so many people and it's such a, such a warming, soulful sort of thing. It's hard to separate it when you have a, a life career in food as well. I, I definitely agree. And look, I, I put together a little um, ethos a long, long time ago when I was first kind of getting into the industry, which is through the sharing of food, we share life and one is never lonely or hungry. And throughout my career, I have to be honest that that for me has been the most rewarding is the sharing. And I think that's what I love the most about being in the food industry and the experiences that I've had is the ability to, you know, just with a simple one plate of food can do so much to, you know, cross the boundaries of cultures, um, you know, introduce conversation. Um, It's caring, it's warming, it's loving, it's all of these different things. And I think to me that's probably what means the most as well, kind of moving into sort of the next stage, I would say, of my career. I think I've had – this is probably my third stage. I've re, <laughs> re, rejigged the sails and we're on another adventure. But um, we can chat about a little bit more about that in the um, in the interview, yeah. Yeah, well, I want to talk about that because there are – you've done so many things which we can get into, but what are you up, what are you up to these days? So these days I um, I sold my last um, cafe restaurant and then I had a wine bar as well. So I sold in 2019 and um, since then I've been dabbling in some consulting for a large company, developing concepts, going into some major um, supermarket chains and um, I've moved into food styling, So which I'm absolutely loving, yeah, which is a great segue for a chef to kind of then move into an industry which utilises all those skills but then on a completely different level so that's been that's been really 
quite some time. So they have just hit the ground running since we've all got out of COVID and everyone's back into travel. So I'm actually heading off in a couple of days over to Europe and Morocco, running some of my food tours, and I'm opening a very small uh, bespoke kind of cooking school as well. So I've sort of got that ready to kind of hit the ground running when I get back. Um, And then, of course, lots of different, um, you know, speaking jobs and cooking demonstrations and emceeing and bits and pieces like that that kind of come along as well. So I've still got my hand in a few different pies and I've always been very proactive and um, very, I suppose, for that whole diversification of oneself, particularly if you are uh, working for yourself. So I've been sole, um, a sole trader or working for myself for probably the last 20 plus 30, almost 30 years. And I have discovered that the secret is to be able to juggle really well. <laughs> if I was a circus performer, I'd be incredible. Um, and, um, and then also really open yourself up to the opportunities that come your way that you can really lend a hand to. So that's been that's been amazing for me and I've really loved being able to kind of, you know, chameleon myself into a lot of different, um, put a lot of different hats on. Well, for someone who's carved their career in the hospitality sector, these food tours that you're doing, I know they're for other people to take them on, but what sort of impact have these tours had on you and your sort of views of food and things? Oh, look, for me to be able to, you know, it comes back into that whole sharing of food. And, you know, I mean, I've been traveling to Sicily and running tours to Sicily for over 10 years. And even though we're sort of, you know, eating the similar foods and going to some of the same kind of places, for me, every time I go there with a new group or experience it with different people, it's like I'm reliving it all over again and being able to do that and showcase that with different people is just it's very very rewarding and very fulfilling and I suppose that's what I really love about the food tours I believe I was born into hospitality I mean I started a very young age working in a restaurant down the road I think I was about seven or eight years old and I'd go in on the weekend and clear the tables from the night before and vacuum and reset the tables and all that type of thing and I just loved it I love that serving, I love the whole ethos around hospitality and creating special moments that people enjoy, that wow factor, watching people taste something for the first time, whether they like it or not. It's still That's still an adventure for me as well. And um, I suppose the food tours have really been able, been, been a great segue for my chefing, my cooking, the hospitality, what I love about food, bringing people together, sharing food. Um, creating memorable moments. They, it all kind of encompasses on my um, on my food tours as well. And they were great because I kind of organise everything. They're fantastic. I've seen some amazing transformations in people that have had great loss or sadness in their life who have come on a tour and just to see them almost reborn or almost kind of really come out of their shell because the only thing you've really got to worry about, Anthony, is how much you're going to drink and what you're wearing. So how much you're eating and drinking and what you're going to wear for that day and everything else is taken care of. And I think when we can really relax like that and just be taken on a journey, it really opens up our spirit to enjoy the experiences and you kind of leave all those worries behind. So that's been incredible for me is to see the change in people and the enjoyment and 
yeah, what they kind of then take away from the food tour besides just eating great food and, you know, seeing the sights. So they've, they're very fulfilling. You briefly touched on sort of um, yourself as a seven-year-old. Take us back to sort of when you were young. What sort of role did food play in your family growing up? Well, look, this is going to be, this will be really interesting for you given that our conversation kind of, this is the crackling and, and we do, we delve into pork. But one of my earliest, earliest memories in Sicily, so my father um, came to Australia when he was 18 and then, yeah, of course, met my mother and they got married, et cetera, et cetera. My dad started taking us back to um, Sicily when we were very young. So, I think my first trip was about, I was three or four years old and we were staying with my uncle and they've got a pig farm and butchers and that type of thing. Yeah, I know, right? So, I was dressed to go to a party. I think one of the cousins, you know, they have those big frou-frou parties with the girls are all in their, you know, fancy frilly dresses and we were walking um, on, on my uncle's property and there was very, very rustic. Like my family are not, you know, big wealthy Italians. So it was really rustic. We all kind of shared one big room. Um, it was on the farm. There were chickens and, and they had orchards and all that type of thing. And um, they'd hooked up a pig underneath this sort of it was almost like an open garage where cars would have been parked anyway and there were dogs running around and the pig was cut open and all its entrails were out and my uncle was you know they were cleaning it and organizing it and dogs drinking the blood that was dripping on the on the concrete flies buzzing around and literally I was absolutely stopped in my tracks and it is something that that specific memory of seeing this beast hung up and it wasn't something that I went, oh, my God, yuck, or, or deflected from. I just thought it was the most incredible thing that I have ever seen in my life. And then from there to then see my uncle with my cousins, then breaking down the pig, making their sausages from hand, using all the different carts, you know, and then thus eating them and then watching my, my aunt in the kitchen cooking and that type of thing. From that very early age, that's when I... I suppose I really was it was it, it caused an interest for me. I loved looking at food. I loved seeing the process of it, you know, kind of being picked then to the table. So pork for me was really one of those earliest memories that that still encapsulates me of that of how intrigued I was and how it just really, yeah, stopped me in my tracks. So that's where I suppose those trips to Italy and, and, and living with my family over there, I suppose, gave me that wonderful introduction to that Italian lifestyle of sharing food, simple peasant food, um, eating off the land, you know, going and picking something and then cooking it up and that whole family and the noise and the yelling and, you know, all of that. If you, you know, you've been in Italian or Greek, any European families, you know, we love to yell, we talk, we talk over each other. No one's listening to anyone but everyone's talking. It's, it, you know, food's getting passed around the table. I love that the energy around all of that food and that emotion. So, yeah, that's kind of was my one of my first experiences and thus we had um, continued to kind of travel. So I have had... Um, some great experiences and a great history of traveling overseas and being introduced to different sorts of food throughout my life, which has been um, been wonderful. That's extraordinary. Was a career as a chef something that you always thought of, or was where did that all begin? 
No, in fact, I always wanted to be a art teacher. Um, I loved art at school, and it was the one thing that I pretty much put most of my time into. And then back in the day, you know, when I'm assuming we're of a similar age, Anthony, uh, when we had T scores, I got my T score, and it wasn't kind of what I expected. And I always had this fear of going to uni that I would never find my classroom or never find because they were just they bewildered me, and I have a terrible sense of direction, which is ironic given that I run two and travel around. Um, so I opted, I kind of looked at my TE score and I went, oh, that's not great. I literally sc- I screwed it up. I threw it away and I said to mum, I'm going to go overseas and take a bit of time off. So I left. I didn't really want to, I had no inclination of being a chef. I'd always cooked when I was a little girl. I'd been, you know, making morning and afternoon teas and kind of hanging out in the kitchen and that type of thing and love food and all of that. But um, it wasn't until I'd gone to Italy, came back and I kind of thought, what am I going to do with my life? And quite frankly, I looked in the paper and I just thought, oh, I saw a job for an apprentice. And I thought, oh, well, I love cooking. And I thought, oh, well, that's, you know, I might try it. I did a, a, a diploma in business hospitality, which incorporated front of house, um, hotel work, and also it had a um, uh, some, some time spent in the kitchen in full uniform and cooking. And I really enjoyed it. So I thought, oh, well, I'll give this a go. So it kind of almost did. I think the career found me. And when we met the career and myself, it was almost like I was just kind of a natural, like it just naturally came to me. I'm naturally an organised, efficient person. I can do many tasks at one time. I've got a great that sense of what's going on behind me without really knowing. Um, And all of these skills, you know, become heightened when you're in a kitchen as well of being aware of everything, what's happening on the floor, what's happening in the kitchen and problem solving, uh, practical, you know, all of those sort of skills really just came to the forefront. And I discovered that it was something that I really loved. I've always been an extremely hard worker. I respect the trade. I respect food. And um, yeah, I started at um, the soup kitchen at West End in my apprenticeship and we had a blackboard menu which was amazing too because every day myself and my head chef she would take me down to the Greek shop the Indian shop um, Lebanese spice different spices and we create a new menu every day so that's when I got really great at being able to kind of come up with ideas come up with different flavors and really worked with different flavors and different ideas on the calf to develop a new menu every day so that was that was fantastic for being able to kind of literally pull food out of the air and work with different flavors and different cuisines and different nationalities. Well, as you sort of built your career, what were the sort of really important venues and people um, that helped sort of guide you in your, the right direction? Do you know what? I didn't work. I wasn't one of these chefs that moved around a lot during my career. I stayed at the soup kitchen pretty much for the duration of my apprenticeship. And um, then after that, I was I had a bit of a break between the two and then went and um, was running a guest house for my uh, my family. So I was sort of doing cooking there and it was still in hospitality. And then I was working in retail um, and then went back in and then opened up Mondo Organics, which was the first organic restaurant 
in southeast Queensland. So I suppose I really did Soup Kitchen, Mondo, and I suppose working with Brenda Forden and Sonia Draxler, who were my two business partners at Mondo, Brenda had had a great career in the kitchens and, you know, learning from them hospitality and the kitchen and food um, and also then starting that trend with organics way back when, you know, it was really kind of unheard of having an organic restaurant and an organic ingredients being really brought to the forefront so you know that in enough I think that enough for me was a challenge in itself that I didn't feel I had to go out and go to a whole lot of different restaurants but I mean I've always you know I've got my idols um you know Maggie B Margaret Fulton I love you know Jamie Oliver that real rustic real cooking that's everyday cooking that anyone can do with some little kind of tweaks and and I suppose that's really my style I'm not a um a French um learned chef I kind of my style is quite rustic and and very much food that people I love people when I'm cooking can go oh wow I can do that because that's when I've made a connection or they kind of search search out that ingredient or that dom used on that demo and that for me is kind of when I've had that connection and that's what I want with people is to be able to have that connection through food not necessarily me cook a dish and everyone goes oh yeah that's really delicious I would never make that and it's something you know it kind of bewilders people so um yeah my two business partners are really inspiring for me and also other female chefs in the industry because back you know when I was going through the industry and was like over 30 or so years ago um it was a real challenge being a female in a restaurant as a chef and and especially at West End you know it was a real kind of had that real hippie vibe so we were sort of we looked upon as these three hippie chicks on the hill trying to do something with organics and yeah but um, it's wonderful that things are really different now too. But I had a wonderful career. I had a wonderful um, apprenticeship and, and had a lot of freedom and was able to really take hold of the kitchen at a, at a, at a young age. So um, it was great. I remember Mondo Organics and I probably revealing my age as well that I, I, th- I think I might have interviewed you back in the day um, about it. But t- take us back there. You know, do you have any stories of, of what it was like? Because it was so ahead of its time. It was really ahead of its time. I mean, first of all, we built the restaurant from scratch. I mean, we hand laid the stones in the ground. I rendered the walls. We, you know, we used recycled timber for the shutters. So it was a real hands-on business. And I think, I mean, we were so far ahead of ourselves because when we opened, we were running, we did cooking classes. We had a market that we ran every um, Saturday morning. We did catering. We had the restaurant. We ran, we did products that we sold like soups and gelato and bits and pieces so we really opened up with a bang and doing a lot of different things and it was it was full on I mean as anyone would know who has a restaurant I mean it is your life and I think this is where my life as in cooking and my private life I mean they really they're one in the same and I've really just accepted that this is my life there is no oh that's a weekend away from work it's like everything's just intertwined but yeah the restaurant really um it was my life it was really hard work too it was hard work getting people across the line into the front door and I suppose um, exposing the fact that organics can mean, you know, you can have a great steak, chips, a bottle of wine, you know, you can have really anything, but it can be all certified organic. Um, so that was a challenge in itself and, and that, that uh, I suppose, you know, the demisting organics as, you know, opening up seed lots, um, you know, grains and having moths out and limp, limp vegetables and 
kind of smelly, hairy armpit vegans, that kind of thing, you know, back in the day when you go into the health shops at West End, it'd be like that because I used to shop at them. So it was kind of like demystifying those sorts of things. And we had a lot of people coming in who had um, allergies. So this is when kind of, you know, allergies started coming out, gluten, uh, nightshade, allergic to garlic. So I got It was a wonderful experience for me then moving into that genre of cooking and being able to cook, um, you know, vegan, a vegetarian food, which wasn't a salad or a pasta, which was all you could get back in the day. If you were a vegetarian or vegan, you got a salad or you got a pasta or you may have got a risotto that was probably stepping out. But, you know, trying to create really interesting food for vegans, vegetarians, gluten-free, people with um, dietary intolerances, that was kind of the challenge that I really embraced. And I think that's what we did really well um, at Mondo too. But um, yeah, it was a fabulous, I mean, I think we was we, we were real trailblazers back then uh, with, with the restaurant. And um, yeah, it was wonderful wonderful era um, having that and that was my first real big restaurant so it was an enormous learning curve um, I remember we used to get this um, this fellow used to bring in local shot venison for us and it would literally just come in this beast that would have been you know they'd, they'd shot it on the property it had been kind of cleaned thrown into a polystyrene box and then we'd deliver it and you'd sort of open up this box and there was this kind of this sort of carcass with a bit of fur here, here and there so you know the other thing with organics back in the day you couldn't just get all your different cuts of meat like you can now so it was a real challenge we had to buy sort of whole beasts and then kind of break them down and use all the different cuts so you had to be very creative with the menu to make sure that you were covering costs and you know lots of slow cooking and 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 different sorts of things and um i remember driving to um a couple of the organic butchers and picking up sort of you know a lamb carcass in a garbage bag throwing it over my shoulder walking into my commodore throwing it in the boot (laughs) driving back to work like it's going to the markets, you know, all these sorts of things. But, um, yeah, that were, it was really – it was great. It was great to be able to do it when I was younger and stronger too. I don't know if I could do it now. <laughs> it was hard going. <laughs> um, not only are you a chef, you're an author as well and presenter and you've uh, been on the TV quite a bit and all sorts of events. Do you have any sort of wild stories from your um, the world of presenting? Oh, God, I don't know about wild stories. Um not really. I think the main thing, the, like a couple of times on, um, you know, when I was doing Ready Steady Cook, which I'm blown away still to this day how many people, oh God, recognise not only me. I mean, it was like t- over 20 years ago, but my voice. Some people don't even know who I am. They go, oh, my God, I recognise your voice. I'm like, I couldn't think, I can barely remember what I did yesterday. But um, I just think sometimes on the show too, like we, you know, you'd put your foot in it or you'd say something incorrect or you'd go to cut into a piece of chicken and it was still raw and you'd have to kind of, you know, try and eat around the raw bits. And I think just all of those little quirky kind of things happen. But I've never had anything major um, happen to me. I'm generally pretty organised too when I know that I'm going on stage or I know that I'm presenting or doing something like that. I really try and be on point. Um, generally, it's about three or four takes for me when I'm doing sort of any kind of presenting. I kind of, you know, yeah, you get into the role of things and then it can kind of just spill out. But um, look, there's been some, you know, I mean, when I had my um, my second restaurant cafe here on the north side of Brisbane, there was some times there where you know it was either you laugh you cry and those situations too where there's been funny times there's times that I had to make a cake which was gluten dairy egg free and it it was for a wedding and it just turned out to be a disaster 
And we lit- I literally, I mean, I had the cake and then it wasn't until they cut into it that it was raw in the middle and, oh, God. So those sorts of things you just kind of, yeah, you beat yourself up for a while and then you kind of got to move on, pick your feet up and off you go. <laughs> uh, well, we're here to talk about pork. So give us give us some of your sort of go-to recipes. Is there sort of, is there sort of cuts that you veer towards or are favourites and, and recipes that you love to do with them? Well, do you know what? After chatting, well, after our initial um, conversation and you saying to me, Dom, look, we're going to be discussing pork, I had to look through my repertoire of recipes under pork. And i got to say, I'm loving the whole beast. So, there's not really a cut that I stick to. Um, you know, I've got beautiful like fettuccine with pork and fennel sausages. We used to make our own sausages at my restaurant and you cannot go past a classic Italian sausage with just the black pepper, uh, fennel seed and pork. Absolutely delicious. Um, I love a good, I've done kind of some porchettas or um, pork collabat like rolled cut and rolled with um, walnuts and rosemary, um, beautiful roast pork loin. I love using spice and I'm really about kind of incorporating our wonderful melting pot of flavours into my cooking. So, you know, different rubs with um, with a pork steak, with a gorgeous salsa. Um, when I was doing some consulting, we did a lot of um, pork ribs, so lots of kind of beautiful, um, as I said, beautiful spiced rubs with, you know, chipotle's barbecue sauces, fruit sauces, all those sorts of things. I love kind of cooking um, pork riblets, yeah, ragouts, involtinis, scallopini. Oh, my God, I did this beautiful pork scallopini with a mushroom and balsamic cream sauce with like a pappardelle, which was absolutely delicious. So, as I said, you know, I'm quite a, um, like a really rustic kind of easy cook and I love doing recipes that people can kind of connect with and go, oh, look, I can really, I could do that at home. So, I try and keep um, on my recipes and my cooking and myself too. I mean, I love just eating great, delicious, tasty food. I mean, nothing can beat a, um, you know, a beautiful pork belly with crispy skin. I love lots of Asian flavours as well, although I don't cook them as much, but I love eating um, Asian flavours. So anything that's sticky pork with, you know, a lemongrass caramel or something like that is kind of is a couple of my favourite things. Beautiful pork, pork croquettes, the Spanish style where you kind of cook, slow cook the pork, shred it up, and then, you know, either kind of mix it with a bechamel or simply almost like a pork rillette covered with crumbs and deep fried. That is yeah absolutely delicious um i've done a couple of pork and cider dinners where we've kind of you know mixed pork with cider Uh, yeah so a whole range of different um different dishes and i love mixing with fruit i've got a pork scotch fillet with um rhubarbs figs and pistachios you know so all of those sorts of things so yeah i don't i haven't really um the only thing i probably haven't done is cooked the head although I have eaten one and um and the tail but everything else I've I have pretty much worked with well when I've when I've scoured the internet in search of inspiration for a family dinner I did actually land upon one of your recipes once which I've cooked a few times which is um reaches into your Sicilian heritage which is that Sicilian baked pasta with eggplant and pork ragu that you do do you want to tell us tell us a little bit about how you make that because I think it really sums up your rustic sort of approach as well that's a really great question <laughs> I'm like which is that recipe that is with the eggplant um 
I don't know. I'm only going to assume because I had to look <laughs> in my in my 200 recipes that I'm looking at at the moment. That is not one of them, but I think that's probably in one of my um, cookbooks. I would imagine. Yeah, is it in my cookbook. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I would imagine it would be some kind of um, beautiful ragu. And look, I tend to cook my ragus. I love adding pork into my um, veal and beef ragu. I think pork is quintessential for adding, you know, great flavour, moisture, and it is so delicious when it's cooked um, with a sauce. So I'm going to assume I made some beautiful ragu and then um, either baked baked the eggplant and then layered it. Would that be how I did it? Yeah, you did did actually. And sorry to put you on the spot with someone who's got hundreds of recipes. Oh, but it is, but do you know what? It's one of those recipes. And for me, because, you know, I mean, a lot of people, and this is, I mean, it goes without saying, you know, most people in our specific trades, we don't generally do it at home that much. And when I met, I've been with my partner about eight, nine years now. And I've said to him when we first got together, because I had the the, um, the restaurant when I was, um, when I met him and I sort of said, you know, I don't cook at home. I said, I don't wash and I'm not ironing your clothes either. But um, I said, I'll cook when I feel like it, but I'm not going to cook it every single night. So, I've, you know, when I finished a full day at work or I've been a full day cooking, it's kind of, you know, it's something that I don't necessarily want to do at home. But when I am in the mood, God, I'll be in the kitchen for days. And just it is the most relaxing um, experience for me to be in the kitchen. And that's, and I'll cook up quite a few dishes. So I'll make up a big pot of sauce. I'll do, um, you know, some in voltinis. I'll, I'll make a quite a few dishes and then either, you know, I can freeze some bits and pieces. I'll put some in the fridge. And then I've got kind of meals that I can come home and then just sort of throw together. So that's kind of how I cook at home, unless I'm going to do some special dinner party or something like that. But um, yeah, but a lot of the food, a lot of the dishes that I've cooked throughout my career kind of are what I eat at home as well, that sort of sharing and, you know, I've got my brother and his wife live around the corner. My mum lives is like a minute away. So we're kind of, I've got my family sort of around me, which is great because I'll often ring them up and say, look, I'm throwing, you know, I'm getting the pizza oven, I'm lighting the pizza oven, you want to come around, da, da, da. So it's a really nice, again, that family sharing food. I really, it's probably one of my favourite, favourite pastimes. You do a lot of uh, presentations and things at cooking uh, festivals and shows and all of that sort of stuff. And you mentioned the crispy um, crackling pork belly just a bit earlier. Do you, do you have a secret tip on getting that crackling just right? I do. I'm a massive fan of having the the pork skin as dry as possible. So I leave it in the fridge for a good couple of days and then um, salt it oil it so score it salt it oil it and then in the oven nice high temp until I get that crackling and then drop it down until that pork belly is just that perfect perfect um consistency it can be I have worked with a um a couple of different pork bellies where I have sous vide the pork belly in with its skin on and then got it to that really beautiful um uh cooking I suppose just kind of falling apart and then dried that out and then crackled up the skin so that's another way that um that people can do it as well which which works not as good as having kind of like the the fresh um pork skin but um yeah, I do love the old Italian style too of cooking the um, the pork in milk. That's probably one of my other favourites and sage and onions, like that old sort of 
traditional way of, of cooking pork in milk too, which lends itself to this lovely, you get this really beautiful kind of sauce from the milk as well after cooking the pork. Um, but pork is really, I mean, in Italy too, particularly down in Sicily, it's a very, very popular meat and you'll often find it um, definitely, you know, on the streets in most restaurants and I just, yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful flavour. Although I did once have a pork dish that I think it was the male the male pig and I literally it was the first time and I eat anything Anthony I will try anything I will eat anything and it is the first time I put it in my mouth and I literally I couldn't get it down it just kept going around and around you know and it had that pungent it was that really like I was in the stalls with them like right in there it was I just yeah I couldn't swallow it I, <laughs> I was like Dominic this is very unlike you you eat everything but it was yeah it was the only time I've had pork that kind of just put me off a little bit but um yeah aside from that at, at the top of the show you mentioned you sort of in a third phase of your career in a, a different sort of period what, what sort of triggered that does it has it emerged out of the last couple of years or you know where, where has it come from yeah definitely definitely I think after my after we sold um or I sold my last restaurant and the um the wine bar I, you know, I mean, that was just before COVID. So then I had a good year or so to kind of um, where I didn't have a lot of work on that I was really, okay, Dom, what do you really want to do that makes you happy? And this is what I've tried to do with my career um, all the way along is really focus on what aspects of my career do I love doing? Because as you know, and you know, the the whole ethos is trying to do what you love doing and then you can do it every day and it doesn't seem like work. So that's what I have, that's what I've endeavoured to kind of do throughout my career. And after I finished the restaurant, I thought, okay, well, that's it. I've done the restaurant. And really the restaurant was to prove to myself that I could do something on my own um, after kind of having a couple of businesses with business partners. I thought, oh, well, can I really do this on my own? Oh, let's open another one and we'll see um, as we do in the hospitality. And then I was like, yep, you can do that. Right, that's done. Let's cross that off. So the next stage was sort of like, okay, Dom, you're moving into your 50s now. I didn't necessarily, I didn't want to be standing in a kitchen doing service and it wasn't a part of hospitality that I loved and I I didn't enjoy the stress of owning the restaurant. So I thought, well, that's it for me. And what do I love? I love the intricacies of food. I love the creative side. I love problem solving. And it just so happened, um, well, I was doing the consulting and then through a job, I met this incredible food stylist based in Brisbane and um, he sort of tucked me under his wing and I've worked very closely with him as his assistant. So that for me is like, I am almost like the nurse to him being the doctor. So you need to preempt you know, when they need something, what you know, you've got to be run like three or four different sets. The de- the attention to detail, Anthony, is is unfathomable of what we have to do for particularly for commercial photo shoots and commercials and quality of product. Like, you know, you're sifting through tiny pieces of ham to find the three pieces that look exact or bags of chips to find something. And for me, that that minutia of that detail, I absolutely love. There's something in me that just loves that perfection of, of trying to find the perfect things and that repetition of, okay, we've got to shoot that again, we've got to shoot that again, make it another. So, I mean, it could be making things, you know, 50, 40, 50 times before you get the right one. So you've got to have that brain and the, the I suppose, the patience to be able to do that sort of work. And I've discovered that I absolutely love it and um, I'm great at, you know, I've got that chefing organisation. I've got the skill of being able to think on my feet with food, how food works 
and then the other side of the sort of the styling and the, and the practicality and the, the detail. So I kind of was like, what can I do moving into my 50s, 60s, 70s until literally I can't work anymore because I would love to keep working. I mean, so my food tours, I thought I can keep running those. The food styling is great. There's a lot of work commercially um, around town. And, um, and then my little cooking classes where I get to kind of still keep my hand in teaching. Um, and I do some teaching for schools as well. So I'm part of a, um, a program where I go to high schools and work with the, um, they don't call them home ec teachers anymore, um, but back in the day, that's what they were, but um, work with the teachers and yeah, go in and, and, and teach the kids about different food trends. We might be doing food truck food. It could be vegan, vegetarian, um, handheld, Mediterranean, all sorts of different things, gluten-free, anything. So um, yeah, I go to work at um, different schools and run classes with the, um, with the kids, which is fantastic. And, and, and also kind of giving them, um, I suppose, an insight into the opportunities in hospitality because I think so many times people think, and it's a lot with the parents. Parents kind of go, oh, I don't want my kid to be a chef. I don't want them stuck in a kitchen or, you know, working behind a bar or as a barista pulling coffees. But there's so much more scope to the industry. I mean, you can travel the world. There's every single, almost every single um genre has an element of food that's attached to it, whether you're a food scientist, whether you go into nutrition, whether you work for, you know, big companies developing flavors. It's sort of, there's, there's, there's an avenue of food in a lot of different career paths. So I kind of like to go in and, and talk to the kids about what I do and the different jobs that I work on and the opportunities and, you know, how great the money can be, because that's always a down factor. Um, yeah. It's like, well, guess what? But um, yeah, so I really love to kind of inspire young people to kind of, you know, move into the hospitality industry and giving that insight that it doesn't mean that you have to be stuck in a kitchen or behind a, you know, coffee machine. There's so much scope for movement. Wow. You're a very busy person and it's, it's incredibly inspiring what you're always up to. Um, we've loved having you on The Crackling today to hear just a little bit of your story. Um, please keep in touch and we'd love to catch up again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. This is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.